You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. We're in week four of our, spirit, our series, Conversations on the Holy Spirit, and it's been wonderful to hear from so many of you how much this series has already meant to you. In fact, even at our last deacon meeting, I heard some of the deacons and community groups just saying that the curriculum, Dr. Van, Pastor Keith, as well as the stories, that the stories from our own community of people who have been used by the Holy Spirit has even transformed their groups uh, and made it into something much richer in enhancing their faith walk. And so I really want to encourage you to join a community group, even as we're at the tail end of this. This week, in week one, Dr. Van started out by talking about the spirit as life. And remember how he makes us truly human again? That maybe sin and, and darkness or brokenness made us less than what God intended us to be as human, but he made us human again. And then in week two, we talked about the Holy Spirit as guide and how he guides us to Jesus and he guides us into becoming more like Jesus. That's one of his principal ministries here on earth, what he does in every believer's life. And then last week, last week we started with the stuff that was a little bit more different for people when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people get anxious, depending on their background, but we talked about Dr. Pastor Keith, Dr. Keith, there we go. I'll give you an, I'm giving him an honorary doctorate, there you go. Dr. Keith Raymond Smith. Uh, I talked about the Holy Spirit as, as communicator, and we talked about where the role of why tongues and what that looks like and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this is a great moment, and if you were here last week, what a refreshing teaching to allow us to access that great truth. And then this week, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit as gift giver. So before we jump into the text, if you want, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to spend our time. Let me ask you a question, just for a moment of honesty. Are you a good gift giver? Oh, I'm seeing a lot of yeses. Now, now let's just let's parse that out a little bit. I don't mean you give money to somebody so they can figure out what to get themselves. I, I don't know if you start sweating it when someone, when you have to make, it's a meaningful anniversary or birthday or something, and you want to find something that's attentive and thoughtful to the person that you care about in life. That's not always easy for everyone to do. I'm not sure what type of gift giver you are. I know in my family, I stopped years ago buying clothes for my children or my wife. Because, you know, there's, there's this way this goes. Everybody appreciates a gift, and there's a level of appreciation. Sometimes it's followed in my, my home, followed with, uh, did you keep the receipt? <laughs> and I could tell, you know, sometimes, too, they're being really nice. I don't call it lying. It's just being really nice. And they'll say, oh, that's really nice. And then I notice it stays in their closet forever. Until there's an appropriate length of time. I don't know what that length is, but you can keep it there for a while and then you can give it away, right? It's kind of like leftover food. I can't throw out leftovers, so I always put it in the fridge, even knowing no one's going to eat this because it wasn't particularly good the first time around. But I know if I can let three or four days go by that it's spoiled, then I feel better about letting it go, right? It's just the way I'm wired. No matter whether you're a good gift giver or not, you, you can take some solace in the fact that you're probably better than the people we're going to see in this video. Go ahead and play it. Oh. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? No. What are you doing? Pushing it. <laughs> oh, okay. 
and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. What is that? I got a girl activity book of stickers. I'm not a girl. Me, I'm not a boy. I'm not a boy either. the worst person ever. What is this? <laughs> what is it? Toothpaste. What are oh. these? Deodorant. What's deodorant? Keeps your armpits smelling good. She's gonna get here. Are you happy? Do you like your Christmas present? I am. <laughs> what? What is it? Well, why'd you throw it on the floor? It's a Barbie! You broke my heart. This is the box that I bought our wedding ring in. And my wife hates lizards. Oh, yeah, buddy. I splurged. You really got me something from Tiffany? Hold on, hold the box up. I yes. think you just, did you really? <laughs> so some of you just got ideas. I know how this went down. Some of you just had ideas. Listen, for a gift to be meaningful, and we're going to see that the Holy Spirit, as he distributes gifts in the body of Christ, in order for a gift to be meaningful, it firstly has to be considerate. So in consideration to what that person is like, how they're wired, what their personality is like, uh, what their desires are. You can tell a thoughtful gift because somebody's thought about the recipient. They've thought about how they're designed, who they are and what they actually like. There's a consideration component to a gift that's given. There's also, even if it's not so much considerate, sometimes a gift is very meaningful when it comes at the right time. Did you ever notice that? I remember when we had lost uh, my wife's dad, and he died prematurely, and it was tough. And we had some friends visit. I mean, they visited us many times. But I'll tell you, when they showed up when things were tough, that was the, it was at the right time. What a gift that was. That encouraged us so much. That built us up. Now, maybe some of you know what it's like when somebody showed up with a gift at the right time when your family needed it or you needed it. Maybe it was advice. Maybe it was a word of encouragement. Something that came just at the right time. And that's what made the gift meaningful. Then there's also a third level of gift giving that's meaningful. Some of the best gifts in life they not only bless you as a recipient, they bless the people around you. They have a way of having a trickle effect to talk to, to, to the people that might be in our lives. It's considerate, comes at the right time. It actually has a cascade effect. So today, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives. Now, uh, l listen, for full disclosure, let me be very upfront, especially if you're new to this church or if you've just been journeying over the course of the last few weeks, we're a Pentecostal church, and you might be wondering, what does that mean? And maybe that might make you even nervous when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, or as Pastor Keith alluded to, even as we heard a word of prophecy or exhortation to the, to the church family this morning. Let me help you find our bearings where we're at. The church, when it got launched after Jesus was uh, crucified and resurrected, for 280 years, the church 
uh, was oppressed. It was illegal to be the church, but the church thrived in those moments, as the Church of Christ always does during seasons of persecution. But after 280 years, the Roman emperor at the time, Constantine, became a Christian, or at least legalized uh, Christianity, and it began to thrive. Now, earliest forms of that would have been what was called the, you know, and still is called the roots of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, the word Catholic just means universal. That's what it means. So it's kind of like the universal church right around the world. Now, every time, and you've heard Dr. Van talk about this over the years, if you've been a part of this church family for any length of time, every time the church hits a wall, theologically, spiritually, exp, experience-wise, man, I'm struggling this morning. Uh, whenever it does, God renews the church. There's often a renewal movement. So in the 1500s, Martin Luther, who was a Roman Catholic uh, priest at the time, he was challenged when he's reading the book of Romans and he sees we're justified by faith, not just by works. So in other words, works couldn't save you because the church had kind of moved more to that end of things, that somehow our works would save us. But out of that came what was called the Protestant movement. And the Protestant movement brought back an emphasis that we're, we're saved by faith. And then when you're saved by faith, works should follow. Our, our pattern of giving and working and serving should change. Then in the 1700s came, became the evangelical movement. Now, when some of us think evangelical, and probably some in this room, uh, if you're new to church, you're thinking evangelical. Whoa, okay, that's that right-wing, they hate everyone, political movement type thing. Now, maybe you, know, you don't know that, but a lot in the, sometimes in the U.S., and I'm not picking on the U.S., it can be anywhere in the world, sometimes they get marginalized like that, but that's not at all what this movement was about. In the 1700s, the evangelical movement was birthed out of desire to see people come to know the good news. They, they felt that it was unconscionable to know and experience the grace of God and not share it with others. So amazing things like the Sunday school movement, reaching out to children who had no church background, all of that came from the evangelical movement in the 1700s. Then the turn of the last century, there was the Pentecostal movement. And this is where a Pentecostal church. Our roots are right in there in line with these roots. But as a Pentecostal church, this was a, a moment where the church right across the world was refreshed with a vibrant understanding of what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit and his operation in our gatherings. In the 1960s then, uh, how many were around in the 1960s? I put my hand up just to, to encourage you because I wasn't. It was, it was the charismatic movement. The charismatic movement uh, took what the Pentecostals were about, and I don't want to uh, minimize some of the differences, but took what the Pentecostal movement was about, and it began to spread it right back into all of these quadrants. So when you travel the world today, you'll find people of every denominational background who believe and practice the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit. You go to regions in this world where it's very difficult to tell the difference between a Pentecostal, evangelical, Protestant, or a Catholic. It's very interesting as you begin to see people lean into Scripture and what it means. So I want it to be very upfront. We're a Pentecostal church. So uh, oh, the work of the Holy Spirit is very important to us because we believe it's essential to what the Scripture teaches in the larger sense. So there's a little bit of the context. Are you already in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 
Let's pick it up at verse 1. Let's start reading together, and I'll make some reflections on it as we read. Paul starts, and he's writing this church. It's a, it's a young church. It's very immature. It's being used by the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are in operation. The power of the Spirit is evident in their gatherings, uh, but they're a little immature. So at times, uh, they get a little out of balance, and Paul does a lot of correcting if you read First or Second Corinthians. But he starts it off, and he says this. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, or your translation may say now about spiritual gifts. Now, just so you understand, the word spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit is actually not in the original text. Uh, some of your translations, if you have the NASB or any of those English translations, they'll italicize the word gifts because in this opening verse, the original apostle did not write that in. In fact, originally what it says is now about spiritual things or about spirituals. And what Paul is doing is pretty neat at, with the Corinthian church. Now, the English translation goes this way because you'll understand in a moment, it's to help us English people understand what's going on in the text. But what Paul is saying is, listen, now about the activities of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be understanding how the Holy Spirit operates. What he's doing is really cool. He's, he doesn't want us to see the gifts of the Spirit like your Christian superpower. That's not what he wants you to do. He wants you to see it in the context that it is the activity of the Holy Spirit working through you, and you're going to see in the moment, for the edification and betterment of the body of Christ, for those around you. So it is the spiritual things, the activity of the Holy Spirit, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Your translation might say even the word ignorant. And the idea behind it is the idea behind this series. We don't want you to be uninformed of what the Bible teaches about this because not only is it for your benefit, but it's the benefit of everyone sitting around you today. They could be benefiting from you learning this. It's very important, very helpful. He goes on to say this. You know that when you were pagans, that word means kind of Gentiles, not Jewish, Somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. So again, the context of the church there, they, so there was tons of gods in Corinth at the time, and there was these stone idols, and I love how he kind of gives a little jab. He calls them mute idols. <laughs> they might as well be good luck charms. They're not doing anything for you. Now, it's easy for us in modern Canada in 2018 to dismiss this and say, well, we've never, we've never done idols. Uh, I've never bowed before an idol. But, you know, an idol is anything that we place our hope and security in. So in a, in a Canadian modern context, often for us, our idols become things like money, power, sometimes sex, whatever it is that we place security or hope in. And he says, listen, I, 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 somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray because they will lead you astray, even if they're not bad things in themselves, to mute idols. And he continues, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, Dr. Vans mentioned this. Pastor Keith has mentioned this. The only way we can say Jesus is Lord, that we can come to Christ, is by the work of the Holy Spirit, by his power. Now, where he, what he's referencing is, in the world that those early Christians lived in, there were lots of spiritual powers. And they were pretty real and powerful. As they are in our day, too. 
It was interesting. I was in a meeting this week at People's Church for Alpha Canada, and Nikki Gumbel, who wrote the Alpha curriculum from England, was Skyped in, and he's talking because he leads a group every year, and it's always 20-somethings in his group. This is his 85th Alpha. It's pretty incredible. But he was just talking about how questions have changed over the years. He said, among the emerging generations now, nobody has a position of being an atheist. This has completely changed. They're wide open to spiritual things. That's part of the opportunity and that's part of the problem. There are lots of counterfeit spiritual powers out there. And in themselves, they appear quite powerful. And Paul's acknowledging this. But what he's saying in the context of this whole passage is if you want to experience genuine life-giving power, it'll be in the context of a community where the Holy Spirit edifies you into Jesus. You can see his power at work because always Jesus is getting the glory. You can see his power at work because he's growing us into Christ. Paul goes on to say this. There are different kinds of gifts. Now, this word is the word gifts in the Greek. Charisma means a, a, an empowerment or a divine grace, it means. But the same spirit distributes them. Continuing. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, what's Paul doing here? He uses the word different and same multiple times. You notice that? There's different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of works, different kinds of service, but there's the same Lord, the same God, same Spirit. Paul's doing what he does every time he talks about the gifts of the Spirit and he lists them. He emphasizes what unifies before he talks about what diversifies. So it's pretty neat. He always is going back to our unity being the foundational component for allowing the gifts of the Spirit to actually build up. If we don't have unity, the gifts of the Spirit can actually be polarizing in some communities. We need to have a measure of unity. Now, where do we find it? Well, Paul teaches and continues to teach something that you're not going to like hearing. He says this, uh, and he's really making the emphasis, even in this passage, that, friends, we're basically all the same. Now, that's what we don't like hearing, because in our culture and society, everyone is special. And listen, I know we're all different. Look around. There's incredible diversity in this room, a diversity of cultures, a diversity of generations. We have a diversity uh, of male and female. We have a diversity of, of educational backgrounds, financial means. We have, we have great diversity in this church, incredible diversity. But Paul says, before you go to the diversity, find what unifies you. And here's why we're basically all the same. We're all saved the same way, every one of us. All of us come to saving faith in Jesus Christ the same way. Your salvation is no less miraculous, powerful, or amazing than my salvation. Whether you've known the Lord 60 years and you were saved out of a, a terrible lifestyle or you grew up in the church and you kind of grew into the faith of Jesus and you're trusting and following him today, it's no less miraculous, no less amazing, no less powerful because we all needed Christ. We all needed a Savior. All of us. We're all on the same page. Now, here's the neat thing. When we have unity around that, 
This allows, being a part of the family of God doesn't, doesn't denigrate our individuality, it enhances it. I'm one of six kids. And uh, some of you know a couple of my siblings, and one of them attends this church. If we stood next to each other, you don't know we're family. We don't look a lot alike. It just didn't work out that way. Uh, and, and we're very different individuals, but I'll tell you, there are certain aspects of the Smith family that kind of go between the six of us. Well, we have the same values, a lot of us, and some common ways we operate because we're John Smith's kids. And that family identity and unity allows us to not only express, but to explore the individuality, the uniqueness that God created us each to be. That's why it's always dangerous when parents compare children. How can you compare two very different people? They might have the same last name. They may even look alike. They may have some common values that the family holds, but they're very diverse in their background. Well, here, Paul, in verse 7, he continues on, and he says it this way. Now, to each one, everyone, everyone who is filled with Christ's Spirit, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each one, God deposits the gifts of the Spirit into each of us. And it's always for the common good. Now, this means to edify to build up. It even means, in some areas, it'll mean to liberate people, to set people free, to encourage people. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to everyone who's a follower of Jesus, whether they know it or not, the gifts of the Spirit in order to, for the common good, for the edifying, the building up, the liberating. So a spiritual gift is an ability. It's an ability that comes to you freely, meaning it's a gift, for the purpose of ministering to the needs of others for the common good. And then Paul begins to list these gifts. He begins, to, and this is not a complete list in Corinthians. He goes on and he says this, to one, there's given through the Spirit, he's reminding us who the gift giver is, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by, the, by that one spirit. To another, miraculous power. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. That's kind of discernment. Discernment might be in your translation. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and uh, work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them again to who to each one anyone who's a follower of Jesus he distributes them just as he determines just as he determines see the bottom line here is that every christian is in ministry so let me ask you friend how's your ministry going i mean i get asked that all the time and people say, well, yeah, of course you do. You're a pastor. No, 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 no. I mean, how's your ministry going, though? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you the manifestation of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, to be able to minister others. So how's your ministry going? Oh, pastor, I don't know what my ministry is. We'll get to that in just a moment. Here's the thing, though. No one is merely a consumer of services, not as a Christian. Everyone is a distributor. 
Turn to someone next to you and say, I'm in the distribution business. Go ahead. Turn to someone next to you. I'm in the distribution business. That's what I'm doing. Now, Paul lists a lot of gifts here. A lot of gifts. And I can't get to, to them all. And I'm really encouraged. Uh, we've copied extra notes that Dr. Van has done a fantastic teaching and Pastor Keith for our community groups this week. Uh, you're going to want to see it. If you're not even a part of a group, Go see Pastor Dale in the group's lounge. Get in on it this week. It would be well worth your while. But he goes through these gifts and explains them. And uh, we've copied extra notes for those of you who won't be able to make it. You'll be able to pick up these at one of the tables where we have the annual business meeting material. Pick up one of those. Fantastic extra teaching. But I can't get into every one of the gifts this morning. It wouldn't be helpful and we'd be here too long. But there are about four, gifts, or four lists in Scripture. The Apostle Paul writes them. Uh, none of them are totally complete. There are ones that are added in different places. But through the years, theologians, Bible scholars have tried to categorize the gifts to help us understand how they operate. Now, I love one categorization that is done by theologians. And it's the idea that the gifts are, are in three different areas. Predominantly, it helps you understand how they operate. And he talks about the first grouping of gifts being the prophetic gifts. And the prophetic gifts, if you want to know a basic shorthand is this, they're the talking gifts. Some of you talkers here? They're the talking gifts. And the talking gifts is, it, these are the gifts that you have an ability to understand truth and articulate it in a way that is helpful and beneficial and edifying. You have an ability to understand truth and articulate it in a way that is helpful and that builds up. So some of the gifts that are mentioned under the prophetic gifts are ones like teaching, teaching, prophecy, exhortation or encouragement, evangelism, understanding truth, and ability to communicate it in a way that's helpful to somebody who may not know God. A discernment, knowledge, Missionary work or apostolic work, tongues and interpretation, those are the prophetic gifts. They're talking gifts. Then there's another category here, and it's the priestly gifts. And the priestly gifts are the serving gifts. So here, here's the word for you, serving. So you have talking and you have serving. Now this is the ability to see needs in others and then meet those needs. So gifts of mercy, hope, service, uh, gifts of, uh, sorry, helps, hospitality, even the gift of healing is put here. Because when we see and encounter people that need healing, inside, outside, body, mind, soul, the priestly gifts move towards that need and, and pray for it. The, the miraculous miracles. So those are the priestly gifts. It's the ability to see a need and walk towards the need and use what God has given us to meet those needs. And then the final grouping is what is called kingly gifts. Now, I don't think I like the word as much because it, you, might, you might mistakenly think it's more important than these, but it's not. I'll tell you why these are used. And this word, uh, these are gifts for leader, leadership. These are kind of leading gifts. So you have talking, serving, leading. Now, why they use prophet, priest, and king? Because you might be sitting there going, oh, I get a pass. I'm not a king. I'm not a prophet and I'm not a priest. You're the priest. Well, we believe in the priesthood of all believers here. Every member has a ministry. Everyone who's in Christ has a ministry. That's why I ask, how's your ministry going? 
The reason why theologians put it in those three quadrants is because in the Old Testament, God spoke through kings, prophets, and priests. And he did his primary ministry through them. And then in the New Testament, in the person of Jesus Christ, he is revealed as the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. And if his spirit dwells in you, well, friends, we reflect Christ to others. And it's these gifts that give us the opportunity to share with others. Now, let me make a couple of statements about all the gifts of the Spirit. Nobody but Jesus has them all. <laughs> That's why we need communities. That's why we need to be together so we can help one another with the gifts of the Spirit. But not, and here's another thought. Not one gift is more important than the other. Uh, we have a tendency to elevate certain things, especially if they look powerful. I don't know what it is about that, but Jesus warned us. He said in the end times, people would chase after signs and wonders. They would make a lot of people that seem to be used powerfully instead of making a lot of Jesus who might be being used through somebody powerfully. And we can be easily distracted. It's really important we understand how the gifts operate in community and why they're critically important. Friends, if we had just talking gifts here, we'd be inspired. We'd get nothing done. If we just had get, get it done gifts here, we, we might not be going in the right direction. So uh, the kingly gifts is to help be able, they're like wisdom and faith, administration and leadership. Those gifts are in those kingly gifts. They are what helps discern where a group needs to go. What are the needs of a group? The, the serving gifts, this is, I think principally, I think everyone should have something there because we all need to be able to roll up our sleeves and be able to serve and help people and alleviate people's pain in the middle of things. So here's what I want to end with. I want to talk about three things we do see in the gifts of the Spirit and how we can recognize the great gifts that God gives. And the first one is this. We need to recognize how considerate the gift giver is. Remember, meaningful gifts are always considerate. God gives us gifts or uses us in the gifts of the Spirit according to our wiring. You're going to hear in community groups, one of our people from our congregation share this week their story of how they just naturally love to encourage people and how that really released them into the area of exhortation and prophecy. It was a natural extension of some of their natural abilities, how they were already designed. So the question is, how do you discover what your spiritual gifts are? Now, you could come to Jan Moken, Pastor Jan Moken's class, which is excellent, and is part of our membership course. You can come to that. But what I'm going to give you, just quickly here, is three words that will help you discover what your spiritual gifts are. The first word is the word affinity. What moves you? Don't look inside first when you're looking for spiritual gifts. Look outside. What moves you? When you look at the needs in our city, in our community, in our church, what moves you? Are you moved by children? Are you moved by being able to share truth and the kids' eyes light up and they get it for the first time? Are you moved by welcoming people who might feel like they don't belong? Does that get you going? Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy more of the background stuff? Maybe helping people organize and move things forward and overcome problems through administration. What, what moves you? That is an indication possibly of how God's spirit would move through you in his gifts towards others. Then the, the second one is, what are your abilities? Because you could say in terms of 
affinity. I love worship. But maybe you can't sing. So it's okay to be in that congregation and sing. Go ahead. But for us to give you a microphone, huh? maybe not so much, right? So you need to know, understand what your abilities are. See, Paul, Paul operated in his affinity areas. Paul had this heart for people far from God. Why? Because Paul had been that. When he goes to Athens, he sees all these statues to the unknown God, and he becomes a great apologist, and he shares about, he uses all of his God-given abilities along the affinity, and the gifts of the Spirit operate through Paul. Friends, I've, I've been pastoring 25 years. Occasionally, you'll meet people who want to teach, and you realize quickly, oh, they're more researchers than they are teachers, because they flood people with information, and it sounds great, but nobody remembers anything. Nobody remembers anything. That's not teaching. Teaching is that it's somehow memorable or at least it connects to heart and soul in some way. It's taking complex things and making them simple enough that people can grab hold of it. That's great teaching. Now, some people are content producers. Some people are content presenters. Sometimes they're both. But here's how you can tell sometimes whether or not your abilities are lay there. Sometimes you need to ask others. One of the things I've loved working with Pastor Keith Smith over the years, a couple things, well, many things, but two that come to mind based on this. You know, as being on his staff for many years, I started with Pastor Keith when I was 29 years old. I remember that. It was like five years ago, and I started with a, I'm going to keep saying things like this, but I remember I would go through staff review times, and sometimes, you know, Pastor Keith loved me enough to give me the gift of feedback. And sometimes it wasn't always like, oh, you're amazing. Sometimes it was like, I've noticed, I love how Pastor Keith would start, I've noticed that when you lead, when this, and it always, what a gift, it was always meant to help me get better. But one of the unique things, if you've been around Pastor Keith, you know him well, you know this, that he always is encouraging, but he's very specific. Like, when you're done something, I remember back as an early pastor in my first few times ever speaking in this community, when I was done, Pastor Keith would often come up. He didn't just say, good job. That's an affirming thing. That can be very encouraging. But he always gets specific. He'd always tell you, you know, when you took this truth and you connected it to here, you know what that did? That helped me discover some of my giftings. That helped me discover some of the places where the Holy Spirit was really using me as opposed to maybe missing it. There was a gift in understanding some of that. We need to listen to the feedback of others. And the last one is this, opportunity. So this is really important. So if you want to discover your spiritual gifts, what's your affinity? What are some of the abilities that God, you have that God can use? And then what are the opportunities? What do the people around you need? What, what is needed here? Because if you're not careful, you could participate in what I call gift cop-out. You know? You know what that is? That's like, well, somebody else has the gift of evangelism. I don't need to evangelize. Whoa, no, no, no. Somebody have a gift of evangelism, but you're, every Christian is called to evangelize. Somebody may have the gift of faith, but everyone is to exercise faith. Somebody might have the gift of giving, but we're all to give and be generous. Friends, you know, when you think of these gifts, it'd be like me going home this afternoon and I'm sure there's a great lunch waiting for me. Right, Shelley? Uh, uh, and, and after we eat, there's dishes to be done. But Shelley, uh, my giftings are kingly. 
So I want you to flourish in your giftings. So let's let you serve by, because I know it'll make you happy. How many of you know that that's not going to work? Friends, there's opportunities around us. And sometimes you just roll up your sleeves and you begin to serve. And then you begin to hear feedback from others. And you begin to see how your abilities and your affinity go together. And then you start to connect the dots in discovering your spiritual gifts. Sometimes if you've done spiritual gift tests, if you've been around the church for any length of time, sometimes they're less helpful than you realize. Your spiritual gifts are best discovered around followers of Jesus. As you exercise gifts, you'll begin to see where, how, and what gets affirmed by the Spirit and by others. So the Holy Spirit affirms that. So recognize how considerate the gift giver is and recognize how appropriate the gift giver is. You know what's kind of cool? Is there are people sitting around you right now that have needs. And some of us, we have the ability by the power of the Spirit to actually meet needs, care for people, and build others up around us. Sometimes all we need to do is be open. Paul describes the ministry of the gifts of the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4. He says this, For the perfecting, the gifts of the Spirit are for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, if you're a medical type, you're going to like this. The word perfecting here means to put back in joint. And the idea that Paul's doing, I think is brilliant. He's saying this. It's like me having a dislocated shoulder here. Some of you, my, shoulder, my arm is still attached, but it's in a lot of pain. And if my shoulder was dislocated, I'm not much use to the body of Christ setting up chairs or helping out. Why? Because I'm in so much pain. My arm is dislocated. But if you're a medical professional, you could probably come up here and pop it back in. Have you ever seen that? YouTube it. Gross. <laughs> you can pop it back in. And all of a sudden, you have full movement again. As long as there's not too much damage done, you have full movement and you can serve. See, Paul is saying this, that every one of us are dislocated. Some of us are dislocated emotionally. We're present in rooms and we don't feel connected at all. Some of us are dislocated physically and we're in a lot of pain. You know what you need today? You need someone to be praying for healing for you. With, the, with that gift, priestly gift of serving into someone's life. So some of us are dislocated uh, spiritually and, and we need to be put back into community and put back into right relationship with God. Some of us are dislocated financially and boy, you would love someone with the gift of administration to help you organize and get back on track, to free you, to equip you, to, to help you, to move you forward in life, to build you up. See, if we're all out of alignment, the Spirit's work is to relocate us and put us back into alignment so that the work of the ministry can move forward. Friends, the more in line we are, the more able we are to serve the people around us. I often wonder this. I don't know how you feel. I often wonder how many people are just waiting for me to step up in my areas of giftedness, in the areas that the Spirit has, so that they can enjoy a level of freedom. How many people are waiting that for someone to have mercy? You know what a gift of mercy is? You journey with people while everyone else has given up on them. The people have long given up on them, and you're still there. 
The pastoral gift. What would it look like to have hundreds of pastors released in this community where they cared for the spiritual lives of people and they were long-suffering and they journeyed alongside of them? Wow, don't leave it up to the, the paid staff. There's not enough of us to go around. What would it look like if the body of Christ looked like that? To liberate people and minister to people. Then the last thing here. Last thing is to recognize how beneficial the gifts are to others. And that kind of builds on what we've just talked about. You know, when the gifts benefit you, you misunderstand the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We serve others not for our benefit. We serve others for their benefit. We prophesy not to be noticed. We prophesy to serve the community, to help others. We, 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 we practice the gift of giving, not so people notice. We practice the gift of giving because God may have given us an ability to earn and we just want to be generous with it. These are the ways we practice the gifts of the Spirit. Now, because we've all known people who are gifted and they had a big look at me sign on them, right? You know, they're all through the Bible. People like Balaam and Saul and Judas, very gifted individuals. Paul, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. A little sobering, but very interesting. He said this. He said, I can see it now. I'm reading from the message version. At that final judgment, thousands strutting up to me. Mm -hmm. You can see right now. Strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects were, had everyone talking. We were successful. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourself important. You don't impress me one bit. And he says, you're out of here. This is a modern version. What he's saying is, it's very interesting. No matter what, if it's our natural abilities or our spiritual gifts or anything like that. Friends, that's why the fruit of the Spirit is so foundational to all of this. Because if you have the fruit growing in your life, the love, the patience, the joy, the gentleness, the long-suffering, self-control, when you have the faithfulness, when you have the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life, you know what will be in the middle of that? Humility. See, you can tell someone who's gifted, who has the fruit of the Spirit growing in their life, because they can be corrected. When you bump them, you see what comes out of them. So we stay humble by staying close to the Spirit and reflecting Jesus' character. But we stay open, friends, to being used by the Spirit by acknowledging He gives gifts to everyone who's a follower of Jesus. Sometimes He's just waiting for us to step up and use them. Let's pray. wonder if you do me the favor just standing in this room. Would you right across this room? I don't want to tell you how to position yourself. I, I'll, I'll tell you what's helpful for me in a moment like this. As I yield myself and I just say I'm open, you might find it helpful to just hold your hands out. You don't need to, but you might find that helpful. I just want to lead us in a prayer. Father, we are so thankful for your son, Jesus. We have sung about him today. We have declared and celebrated the fact that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So Jesus, we love you. And Jesus, as you've ascended to heaven, you didn't leave us alone. 
didn't leave us orphaned here. Instead, you sent your spirit, Jesus' spirit, that as we understand your word, your spirit is even present in this room right now. Holy Spirit, we love you. We need you. We desire you. We want your presence. And God, I pray right now for those in the church family here as we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would begin over the course of these next number of days, weeks, and years to help them discover their spiritual gifts. Lord, that they would begin to see it in the way that their hearts have been designed, the affinities that they have in this world. Some, God, just so invigorated by justice issues in society and culture. Some just so caring and nurturing. Others, Lord, that love to just serve in the background and they feel their job is to support others, God. Lord, whatever their gifts may be, some to, to be in those prophetic gifts and, and teaching and pastoring people and, and even encouraging people, God. Whatever those gifts are, Lord, I pray for those, God, who may have those prophetic gifts today. Lord, I pray for courage and discipline. Courage to understand what the truth is and articulate it in timely places and at timely moments, God so that people can be built up and edified. God, we're in a world that's starving for some encouragement. Let the body of Christ, let it just flow in our community, God. And discipline God to not have to always speak. Discipline to know when to, to step in and when not to, God. Help us, Lord, give us discernment. And for those that, Lord, are equipped with those priestly gifts, and God, the, the gifts of helps and hospitality and mercy, God, and even the gift of healing and, Lord, that see needs and are drawn to needs and, and meet needs, God, would you equip them, Lord? Thank you for them. Holy Spirit, we just shine a light on those areas of service, God, that sometimes don't get noticed. And God, we celebrate the fact that without the priestly gifts, God, we can't move forward. Thank you, God, for those that you've given these gifts too. And Lord, we think of the kingly gifts of wisdom and faith, administration, leadership. Lord, may those leadership gifts or those kingly gifts always be marked with deep and steep humility, God. That they would always be seen in a way that this doesn't give them power over people. It elevates people, brings dignity to people, frees people and brings life to them. Holy Spirit, where would we be without your leadership? So our invitation as a church family over the course of this series is lead us. <laughs> Guide us by your spirit. Envelop us with your presence. God, we know that we're loved and we know that you're your, we're yours because your spirit testifies to ours that we are now children of God. So we give thanks for the gifts of the Spirit. And we pray even this week in our community groups, in our interactions with people at work and our families, and even in our church community, God, we would see them in operation. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and His Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. amen. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.